Friday, June 29th, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 26 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com, and presented by Hotmean Media. On this week's show, it's all about the red and blue with some news from around the professional wrestling world, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news it is, news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, I will be your host for the day, I'm joined as always alongside my tag team partner, the OG of the Huckleberry Club, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It said R to the B to the V. Jargo, it kind of said that, I, I guess, the bad news, this is the last show that we're ever going to be doing together. Uh, of course, I mean the last show that we're ever going to be doing together in the month of June 2018. Yeah. I, I, only bring, I, I only bring up the date because uh, you know, every morning when I wake up, I immediately have that. I go right to my schedule for the day. I see what I need to have to do for work, what's scheduled to go out, any contacts. Uh, that have to be made, but right there every day is the countdown to Starcast and All In, uh, and it's hard to believe. You know, it's coming fast. About, man. about two about two months from this weekend, right here, we're going to be in Chicago together. We're going to be getting ready. We're going to be gearing up for Starcast. We're going to be, uh, you know, mingling, hanging out, enjoying ourselves with, with some of our, our great friends from around the professional wrestling world and Charlotte Flair. And it's coming. And Charlotte Flair. It's coming. It's coming. So uh, we're, we're going to do two oh, segments. Oh, and Char Char is there. It'll definitely be coming. <laughs> so we're going to do two segments today. We've got segment one is a little bit of news. And then we're going to do the red and blue review, I guess it is. Dude, I am so happy the G1 starts in like two weeks. And I can I can tell you this right now. If Monday Night Raw keeps going at this rate, I'm just gonna quit watching it. Oh, see, I guess we're gonna I guess this is gonna be one of those fun shows because I'm not as down on the product this week as it seems that you are. I, I think they actually put their best foot forward. Uh, this was actually two of the better programs that we've seen from WWE in a while. I guess that's maybe that might not be saying a lot because the bar has been set so low there is over that. the course of the last month, but Hey, I, I enjoyed myself these last, uh, you know, this last week for Raw and SmackDown, and you know what? I am actually looking forward to segment two to diving into that a little bit. As uh, as we get into segment two, I, I've come to realize that uh, there are a couple of things going on here. Number one, Vince McMahon is a racist, and I'm going to prove it on this show. And number two, they obviously listen to this show because. All of the people that I put over, all of the people that I like, they're just burying. Just fucking burying them. So number three, then they hate you personally. Number three is they hate me personally. That's obviously what's going on here. So I'm going to hate them right back. Uh, So let's start with uh, segment one, um, which is, ironically enough, mostly WWE news. Um, The Raw and SmackDown ratings are in, uh, and 
there, there's an anomaly this week that I'm not sure that I've ever seen happen before. So I wanted to talk to you about this and ask you what in the hell caused this. So Monday Night Raw drew a 1.9, which is down from last week at 1.97. That's not a surprise. They got a little bit of a spike coming out of the pay-per-view. Okay. You with me so far? The first hour drew 2.597 million viewers. The second hour drew 2.679 million viewers. And the third hour drew 2.734 million viewers. The ratings went up all three hours. That's the first time this year that's happened. I was going to say a little bit of a, is it opposite day? I mean, it's, that is, that's been, it's, how long has it been since we've seen something like that where the ratings are actually climbing throughout the show? Uh, I guess, you know, they, they did see a little bit of a dip, but it is still holding strong. I know overall they still rank fairly high for the evening, uh, especially in those key demographics. You'd have to kind of take this as a positive, wouldn't you? That you're actually, I mean, you kind of started a little on the low end. I don't really know what there is actually, you know, what else was going on, what was hot in comparison. What could have, you know, caused the, you know, that spike going forward? But you, it had to be you look at it somewhat as a, a success, right? Well, it, it has to be considered a success, and I think you have to attribute this to one man and one man only, and it's got to be Seth Rollins. I mean, they were advertising all week that Seth Rollins was invoking his rematch clause for the Intercontinental Title. We knew that was going to be the main event, and people tuned in to see it. There's no other logical conclusion. Which goes back to the argument, you know, instead of this day of social media announcement or even waiting until actually telling us what the main event, not even in the open anymore do we usually get that. Usually now in the open, uh, that open that sets up your opening match. We don't even know what we're getting for the rest of the show. It's pretty amazing at what can happen when you give people a full week to take in and prepare for something like a Dolph Ziggler and a Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship and everything that could be played in there, uh, I mean, it's all. I mean, you would think it was like rocket science or something that's going on, but you would think that advertising worked. Heaven forbid, advertising actually works. It's amazing what proper advertising, uh, proper marketing, and knowing your audience what it what it'll do for you. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Hey, I I do, I do have. I actually, as we're sitting here recording, I'm staring over at the television, and I just got a reminder. I know why they came in so slow on Monday. We grew up in the same era, Jargo. It, it was the return of Double Dare on Nickelodeon Monday night at 8 p.m. What in the hell are you watching that you're seeing an advertisement for Double Dare while we are recording the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast? Uh, I actually have SpongeBob on in the background. Tremendous. You know so, what? Uh, they, they the worst great. part is, is I knew the answer to that question before I asked it. That's the so worst they, part. That's the worst part. Uh, SmackDown, on the other hand, we do not have good news. Um, SmackDown drew a 1.54. That is the lowest rating in about a year. That's not a holiday episode. I don't even know where to begin with that. Well, let's let's look at let's do the comparison. If we just praised Raw for giving us an entire week of a build towards a, a match with intrigue that fans are behind. You've got uh, Seth Rollins, arguably the hottest superstar in WWE. You have a very, very hot act in the show 
with Dolph Ziggler and McIntyre, especially now just stealing, seemingly stealing the Intercontinental Championship. Going into SmackDown, our advertised match was Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. Uh, of course, that was not going to actually uh, come to fruition, but that was a week of advertising. How many people? were aware that Nakamura was even going to be out or were they just not into this match? Well, and they didn't announce until late Tuesday afternoon via Twitter that Nakamura was not cleared. That's what I'm saying. How much with him being out because of the, the incident, we're going to get to that, I know. But, you know, that might not have hit a lot of people. You have the whole week. It might not just stir up that much interest from the fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, and then, of course, I wanted to tie into this. The new TV deals... Our official ink has been put to paper, as William Alicia said. Um, Fox, you had a chance. You could have backed out. I mean, the window was open, and now you've put ink to paper. Uh, I, I, I am just blown away by these deals. Uh, but what I, I really wanted to talk to you about is it seems as though NXT uh, 205 Live and some potential studio show, hopefully something similar to a Talking Smack, uh, now have the potential of finding a home on FS1. Uh, 205 Live, I like the idea of joining FS1. I'm not sure that I like NXT joining FS1. Uh, where are you at with this entire Fox Sports deal, I guess, is now what we can officially call it. It's no more rumor and innuendo. It's a deal. And are we set in stone where SmackDown is going to air? SmackDown will be on broadcast Fox. That is going to remain on broadcast Fox. Okay, then I have to apologize for a misstatement that I made Tuesday over on Smack Talk. Uh, I was just getting the news. You know, we were just getting finalization before Ray and I went on the air. Uh, I took it as maybe there was a possibility that even SmackDown itself was going to FS1. So anyone out there that, that listens to both of these platforms, I do apologize for that. Uh, that is my mishap, just my fault for being misinformed there. But Well, it's confusing because the deal is technically with Fox Sports. What a lot of people don't know is the NFL deal is with Fox Sports. The MLB deal is with Fox Sports. Well, and I and I think what gets confusing there, maybe what got me is maybe, you know, kind of plays into what it got everybody with like NXT UK. They were all lumping everything with just what we know as NXT now. When you say Fox Sports, that is just a division within the Fox Corporation, not just the channel itself. Uh, that, that's just anything that has to do with what they perceive as the world of sport that can be shown across any of their platforms. And you're seeing that going on right now with the uh, Disney acquisition. Disney is acquiring uh, the the studio division of Fox. They're not acquiring the broadcast division or the sports division or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's just so, buying up one so many, part. So many things under that Fox umbrella. And it just so happened when you have it, it Fox Sports. And Fox Sports One, right? I can see, you know, in passing, that's probably what got me there because I was trying to pull up news uh, last minute prep, getting ready for that. So I do apologize for that. There, I, I'm with you. The more pro, I mean, they're going to there's going to be a, a lot of programming that void they need to fill with the absence of USC. Uh, and I get where you're coming from with NXT going over the worries of okay, now, right now with with NXT, you essentially what we believe is you know it's pretty much Triple H is the head chief uh, that you, he has a lot of control where the Indians working for him under, you know, the umbrella of his own network. Uh, now, when you expand that, 
You're going to have other TV executives that are going to be giving their influence on the direction uh, of just not you know just the storylines, but just the product, the presentation. Uh, Vince is going to take more of a notice now because it's something that's out there for the general WWE Universe audience. Uh, I see your worries there, but if they can actually keep this thing grounded with already the way that NXT is being presented, I think you're going to see more of an influence. I think Fox is going to want more of something along those lines because it's similar to what they've had with UFC. It's something similar to a legit uh, sporting competition. 205 is going in that direction. Hopefully SmackDown kind of, you know, takes some of those attributes uh, and puts them into their production. I don't know if it's going to be that bad of a thing, but I do see why you're worried. Well, and the other thing is the second that you put NXT on FS1, it's no longer developmental. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. As much as we love what's going on inside of NXT, for every Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, there's a Lacey Evans. And that's not a dig on Lacey Evans. It's just where she is in her development right now. It's still developmental. Above everything else, it's still developmental. Do you think what, I mean, could we get to a point where we possibly have two versions of NXT programming? One that is network exclusive to highlight those that are still in that developmental stage, uh, as opposed to those who are at the top of the class. Uh, that would be those angles and programs would be presented on on FS1. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I could even see uh, um, NXT footage being cut up and having like NXT specials air on FS1 that aren't necessarily the weekly TV show. Uh, that's something else I actually wanted to bring up to you. Um, you know, of course, when the UFC was doing the, their thing, they would do. Uh, the some of the fright prelims were on Fox Sports or on broadcast Fox Sports. What's the potential of the pre-shows moving to Fox Broadcast? I think this is a tremendous idea, and this we've actually had this pitch to us a, a few times by our good friend uh, James Money MacGyver, uh, you know, who is our MMA guy. And he, right when he saw this deal, you know, them possibly positioning to take that role with with Fox Sports from the UFC. Uh, you know, his is, hey, they set up very nice prelim shows uh, on Fox and then use that to sell for an hour or so leading into uh, the big pay-per-view, which is going on. I, I think that would be a, a tremendous move on WWE's part and Fox's part. I, I think we need more. I think you need higher quality matches going on on your pre-show instead of so much of just that final sales pitch. I mean, up to that point, if we're watching, there's a good there's a good chance. I'm going to say there's a 90 percent chance you're going to you have the network. You're going to find somewhere to stream that thing to flip over. It's not like you're flipping through all oh, last minute. Hey, I don't have anything going on. I better order the network because I watched this pre-show. I, I do like how they do it now. They got the free YouTube. Uh, they had they're on Facebook. But just think, I mean, that's uh, on you know, broadcast. A great that's a great outlet they have. But yeah, just I mean, you gee, I, I don't even know how much you would multiply your reach with your potential audience uh, and just, you know, the ease of reaching people because there's still a great deal of the audience uh, that is kind of hesitant, you know, Oh, I got to watch the show on YouTube. I got to go to Facebook to watch this. There's a, and I, it's, it's, it's more and more common. It's going to be that way going forward. I don't hesitate to do it. You don't hesitate to do it to just to jump something to my television from another device. But there, you still see that all the time. Well, I have to do it this way. 
Uh, there's still even a lot of people, you know, in the, you know, in their, their early forties, thirties that are hesitant to do something like that. Well, and there's a lot of people who probably don't even know about the network. You know, they're going to be sitting there on a Sunday afternoon, literally channel surfing. And they're going, Oh, what's on here? And they flip over to it and they watch the pre-show for a little bit. And they remember the days when pay-per-views were $69.99. And all of a sudden, holy crap, I can get it for a month for 10 bucks. What the hell? Why not? And then all the all the other things that that you really like. And I hope that they run some of those old specials uh, just, you know, to hype up that the new ones are coming out on the network, you know, like the the 24-7 specials, the what was the breaking the NXT breaking ground. Breaking Ground show. I thought that show was fantastic. If you could, if you were, had like a new version, newer version of that coming out on the network, and you got Fox Sports to run on a some slow afternoon or even a night shift where you got nothing going on, run a marathon of that for you, that's going to be you know a great outlet to reach a, a potential new a new consumer. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, hey, you know, well, one thing about this Fox thing, were you going to jump on, or do you have a point there? Uh, oh no, I was gonna, I was gonna move on to the next thing well, on well, the well, list. Ch- Jarko, something just kind of popped in my head as here is, you know, we're sitting here talking and I, I am flipping around on the television a little bit in the background. This popped in my head. What does this ultimately do with the relationship with ESPN? Oh yeah. The, the relationship with ESPN is, is absolutely going to change the, the second they go to Fox sports. There, there's no question about that. But the other thing that you're going to see change is going to be the relationship between Fox sports radio and the WWE. I'm very interested to see, is our boy Colin Cowherd going to be pitching us fucking WrestleMania next year? You know what? That's a little bit of a misconception with him. No, I'm I'm just, I'm just using him as an example. Oh, I know. I know. I think you are going to see that. I think he'll actually have talents on the show. His problem isn't pro wrestling or the superstars within pro wrestling. His problem is the Mark fans. Yep. Yeah, uh, as, he, as he dubs up, you know, the booger eaters and the mouth breathers that make up the professional wrestling audience. That is his issue. He has always shown a great deal of respect for the actual performers and the art itself. So I don't think that we'll that we'll see have any issue really with uh, that crossover with involving him. But yeah, I think across all those platforms, I, I, you've got talents that can get out there. You're going to see John Cena on studio shows. You're going to see Miz on their studio shows. And you know what? The worst part is he's right. WWE fans are awful. They're just awful people. We're going to talk about WWE fans here in just a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about my boy, Rey Mysterio. Booyaka, booyaka. WWE 2K19, Rey Mysterio on the cover. I thought the promo during Raw was awesome. I loved everybody taking off the mask and paying their tribute to Rey Mysterio. And then Rey Mysterio shows up and he simply says, he's back. Rick, what does this mean for All In? Because that's the story I am much more interested in here. Is Rey Mysterio back in the WWE or is he just back on WWE 2K19? Am I going to get to finally see Rey Mysterio live at All In? That's what I want to know here. I, I do agree with you 100%. Incredible, incredible hype package. Yeah, it was dope. Great, great promo for it. Was it was dope. And I'm a Mysterio mark, so I thought it was really cool. You know, as a reminder, now all the speculation is running wild. But, you know, as just a reminder to everyone, and we've had the rumors that he's been, he's been talking about a three-year deal and all this. 
The 2K deals are separate from WWE. That's correct. Uh, now, what they usually do, that usually means that shortly after you're going to sign that WWE contract for a return. And as we've seen in the past, that typically happens around Survivor Series when we see that signing and a return. Uh, we saw that with Sting. Well, because the game comes out in what, October? Yes. Survivor Series in November. So, of course, they kind of tie it all in there together. You know, we had Sting there. We had Bill Goldberg. Uh, there's someone else that was recently that came back along those lines that just, I, I tip of my tongue, I, I just, it just can't spit it out. But anyway, so it's simply there. So, if that's the case, then we are still safe for all in. Now, if they would like to push this thing, because, you know, in the back of their minds, they are well aware of what's going on with All In. They know who is there. They know the success of it. We've actually seen other rumors coming out now that there is talk in WWE to throw some big, some of this big new money at uh, the Bucks, Cody, and Kenny. So I'm sure, you know, if, if they really wanted to flex their muscle on this thing, they might try to sway Ray away from this. I almost, I almost get a feeling, though, that, that Ray, kind of the individual that he is, and he's kind of proven himself to be over these last couple of years, he might stand hard in his side of the negotiation and say, I have to honor this deal. Now, the trick is, do we, do we see him in attendance? I think so. Do those watching around the world on however this thing is going to be streamed or broadcast see him? Maybe not. You know... <clears throat> Ever since uh, Monday in the locker room when we talked about the Access TV thing and you, you proposed the entire idea of All In being on Access TV, it's like haunting my nightmares. I can't stop thinking about that. My God, but if it, that happens. It, you know, that was one of the things that just stuck out to me in you know, the, the first episode of All Us. All Us, the All In story, was just the very last. It wasn't even a part of the show, really. It was just in the credits at the end, special thanks, and they hit up Access TV. Oh, I, oh, I will be so pissed off. Which, which to me, I just it jumped out to me, you know, if they yeah. can get Cuba on board to really take this thing over and say, you know what, we're really going to make this something special. We're not going to try to worry about these streams that we see fail and have this thing crash on us. We're just going to take this thing to television for you. Man, what a deal. Wow. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura got bit by a dog. I, I don't even know really to jump in on this thing. What, what the hell do you say? Shinsuke Nakamura got bit by a freaking police dog. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of confusion because I've, I think I've seen multiple reports. I've seen some reports that say this was at the venue. I've seen some reports that say this was at the airport. Um, I, I guess the better question to you is I, I, I'm kind of following this story, but it's just so real. Shinsuke Nakamura got bit by a dog. Somewhere on his left leg is my understanding, the lower left leg. Rick, do you have any idea how serious this injury is? Have you heard anything more other than Shinsuke got bit by a dog? Because, I mean, I've seen the police dog videos, and police dogs, they're not normally very nice when they bite something. That's, that was kind of my question there. You know, like, how severe is this thing? Well, I guess, you know, it's severe enough that it kept him off of programming. Yeah, but I mean, is this like, are, are we talking like a deep tissue bruise or are we talking about like this dog got a hold of him and like 
we've seen the videos, man. People wearing like flak jackets as they're training these police well, dogs. I, there, there are different types of, you know, different commands that they're getting for how severe that they will attack. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I have no idea the severity of this injury. And we haven't really got much, you know, post of the initial rumor or report. There hasn't been a lot of follow-up out there. Hey, here's what I want to know, though. If I'm walking down the street and a dog bites me, they put that dog down. Yeah, no doubt, right? No doubt, right? I mean, what is the protocol for a police dog? I, I'm sure they're getting special, uh, special privilege. Uh, I see where you're going here. I see where you're going here. Can we can we get track on this? Oh man! Oh God! I can't wait to hear the PW hustle. Eight track Brown, you've gotta, you've got. I gotta hear a rant about how the American police are racist against all Japanese people so much so that now we're sending dogs after them. I have to hear this rant, Eight track Brown, because I know this rant is in there. I know it is. Um, uh, another little piece of, uh, injury news that I, I actually don't have on the run sheet, but I was curious as to your opinions. Um, number one, Oni Lorcan. Did you, did you hear about Oni Lorcan? I did. I actually was picking up, uh, I actually got a, a, a multiple injury report up here. Uh, I pulled up doing a little prep before we went on. Uh, I did. What's, what's the word? I mean, what's Oni the Lorcan, it sounds like a fractured orbital bone, which I mean, that's a pretty serious injury. That's like six to eight months. I, I didn't think it was that long. Okay, but so that, you know that is. Uh, well, how long was Aries out? Was he that long? It was quite a while. I mean, I it, it like helps four it for months. It it was a while. That, I mean, that's okay. The, the the thing that helped Aries was he came back on commentary, so he was still there running his mouth. Maybe it's that because then he was still fresh in your mind. You know, this what really is terrible about this situation is they're just starting to pick up steam there. Yep. Yep. Terrible it almost timing. feels. It almost feels like a revival situation. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Terrible timing, terrible timing. Uh, and then the other one that we found out on NXT last night, uh, this one kind of came out of nowhere, and I hadn't seen this reported anywhere, but evidently this is legit. Lars Sullivan out with a broken freaking jaw. They showed the x-ray on NXT last night. Straight up broken jaw. God knows how long Lars is going to be out. Uh, but I think this might have come at the best time in the world for Lars Sullivan. I was going to completely agree with you. I don't think this one to keep him on the shelf that long. But this might be one of those one of those instances where this is a blessing in disguise. You know, there was that big question after his defeat at TakeOver Chicago. What is next for him? You know, should it be a move to, to Raw or SmackDown? Uh, is there still left some, you know, some business left for him in NXT, you know, and if so, you know, where do you exactly do you go after kind of failing at the, at the peak of the mountain? This is something that you could really use to retool him and refocus him with, with a new purpose when he comes back. And that is again, just to re-solidify, uh, he is a monster. Now he is a monster with a major chip on his shoulder. Eli Drake, dummy. Yeah. Uh, Eli Drake re-signs with Impact Wrestling. Who saw that one coming? Uh, good for Eli Drake. I'm very, very happy that he is staying in Impact Wrestling, but I thought it was a 100% surefire deal when his contract was up that he was NXT bound. Well, Jarko, let me ask you something here. You know, if, if you're Eli Drake and you're kind of sitting back and you're looking at other talents that you've seen exit you know, especially recently, exit Impact Wrestling and head for uh, 
you know, greener pastures, say, or, you know, that big payday in WWE, there was probably some doubt in your mind and give you cause to really consider, you know, staying where you're at. Oh, yeah, I absolutely understand that. Um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with EC3 uh, right now. Of course, I, I am trying to go spoiler free throughout this set of NXT tapings and see how that kind of goes. But it looks as though they are setting up uh, a feud between EC3 and Johnny Gargano. That's a pretty good position to be in right now, you know. I, I understand a lot of people feel like EC3 has been mishandled the, thus far inside of NXT, but that's a great place to be. You know, I'm looking at, you know, champions had to left there or like uh, other champs besides EC3, like uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode. Yeah. You know, and even and you and you mentioned EC3, you know, that's a great starting point. Him and Eli Drake could be very comparable to a position they would hold within a company. Yeah, because I, I think Eli Drake would absolutely go to NXT. I don't think he he's going straight to the main roster. No, he ha- he has he has NXT all over him. Very comparable to EC3. So at that time, you know, is there really a a good position for him? Is he just going to go in there and be almost that poor man's EC3, stuck kind of at the bottom there, where he may never see daylight? And NXT is loaded right now. I and I also think you know as not why you wouldn't go to WWE. I think this speaks tremendous volumes for the great improvements and the future for impact wrestling. I think this, uh, 100% had on the back to the new management there, the new direction. It's a big uh, resigning man that a name like Eli Drake has decided and, you know, has made a, a, a statement here by saying, I am proud to be with Impact Wrestling. I am going to be here for a long haul because we're getting information coming out on this thing. This isn't a short term to maybe hold him over for a few tapings and then he can reevaluate uh, the NXT WWE thing. This is a multi-year deal. Yeah. He is going to be with them for the long run for an extended period. Eli Drake is going to be a major player in Impact Wrestling for years to come. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, effective immediately, Eli Drake is the cornerstone of Impact Wrestling. Uh, it, I'd be building around Eli Drake and Moose. Those are the two guys I'm building that company around right now. Jara, I was just going to say that you already you get a guy like Drake who's committed. Next is Moose, and then you just keep on going down the line with. Hey, and right now, yeah, I feel sorry for anyone out there that is not following at least following what's going on with impact wrestling i know there is so much wrestling content out there that that we have to consume and it's so hard to fit everything in and a lot of people have just you know turned have so turned away from impact it's hard to get back into it but do yourself a favor check out the product what they have going on is something very special right there uh, and even if you're not into the show make sure you're heading on over uh to listen to our friends on the hacker hameen Podbeam feed at the Hameen Media Group, Big Ray and Ben Hameen himself, the Impact Attack. There's sometimes I miss the show, but I don't miss their podcast to keep me informed and keep me up to date with what's going on with that promotion. Uh, just as a side note, so you have Moose, you have Eli Drake. If you have two more talents inside of Impact Wrestling that you're building around, Rosemary for me is one. I'm building my knockouts division around Rosemary. 
can you make Sammy Callahan one of the like four cornerstones of Impact Wrestling at this point, or is he too much of a loose cannon? Uh, and I think that's what you need. I think you need something like that. I uh, then I think he and I think it it complements your your other three gentlemen that you're going to help build that company around. Would Rose Rosemary be your fourth? Oh, man, you know that knockouts division is loaded with so much talent. Yeah, but so she's much. she's on a whole nother level when it comes to character work, promo work. The the that entire knockouts division is really really good. But Rosemary is just head and shoulders above the rest of them. In one program that really comes to mind to really bring back the true glory days of that knockouts division. Uh, and it, on one side, I would be so sad to see this happen. I would love to see if they could go out there and get Dashwood to come in and work an extended program with Rosemary. Yeah, it'd be good. That would be really good. That'd be really good. Damn it, that'd be really good. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about another company, and that being uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. The match has now been made official. Hideo Itami or Kenta. I'm very very curious which way he will be interna- uh, announced. Uh, we'll be taking on Maru Fuji at Maru Fuji's 20th anniversary show. Uh, Rick, I have a little bit of homework for you. Uh, that this match comes to us from October 29th, 2006. It is the the GHC Heavyweight Championship match between Kenta and Maru Fuji. This match goes 42 minutes and 53 seconds, and it is a bloody ass whipping if you haven't seen this match go watch the match rick this is your homework because i'm sure you've never seen the match i want you to go watch this match and then uh, next week we're going to talk about this match and uh what what the potential is here going forward because i'm very curious what you're going to think of maru fuji and i'm also very curious what you think of kenta have you ever really watched kenta work or have you only seen hideo itami uh, I, I've seen a little bit to Kenta, and, I, and to be very honest, uh, a lot of that came just after you know the signing, his signing with WWE. Because you know I'm not one of those that's that's naive enough to think that we're going to get that same talent in sports entertainment. So you you always have to go out there and do your research to check what they were about before coming you know stateside. Uh, to me, it's it's like night and day from what we've seen, and you know, I know that it's like injury, two completely different characters, man. Kenta and Hideo Itami are two completely different people. If if, if I didn't know so, if I was just going to this thing blind, I actually think they would they were actually two actual different separate individuals. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, even, it almost even down, you know, to, you know, physique, how they carry themselves in the ring. It, it, you could really tell it, and I guess maybe he's getting a little bit, a little bit of it back now. But there was a for a long time a huge disconnect between those two. Well, and I think the biggest thing is the the thing that I noticed immediately in watching this match, and I haven't watched a Kenta match in years at this point. Just like you were saying, the, the body language, the swagger, and most importantly, the confidence. I, Kenta just had that oozing confidence. It's no wonder he was a huge star in Japan, and his number one rival was Maru Fuji. How much Maru Fuji have you seen? I'm gonna have to. That's gonna see someone. I'm gonna have to go back and research a little bit. I, I'm gonna say little to zero. Um, if you haven't seen much Maru Fuji uh, last year, 
was it last year or two years ago now? I want to say it was last year. There was a match that he had with Okada in the G1 that was absolutely incredible. If, you, if you're looking for some Maru Fuji footage to kind of check this guy out, I recommend that match and this match. October 29th, 2006, GHC Championship match against Kenta. Fantastic stuff. I very much look forward to this show. I'm very curious what they have planned. And I'm very curious, how is he going to be announced? Are they going to announce him as Kenta or are they going to announce him as Hideo Itami? I think it's got to be Kenta, right? I, you would think, but... You know, when, when Finn Balor went over to uh, ICW, they didn't introduce Prince Devitt. They announced Finn Balor. I still think, but that, but they were more familiar with Finn Balor at that point. I, I guess maybe this is all going to have to be, I, I think, I don't know. I'm so curious how this is going to go. With Atami, I, I think it's going to have to be Kenta there. But again, it's how much WWE influence are we going to have? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm maybe, fascinated maybe who they book to go over. Maybe they put the names together. I'm fascinated how this Hideo match goes Kenta down. Atami. Oh, my God. That would be something. Uh, and also, I guess one more thing before we wrap up the news segment and th- toss it over to the break. Uh, Ring of Honor, best in the world. Of course, going down tonight as you are listening to this because, of course, this is live. Uh Uh-huh, hint, hint, wink, wink. This is live, so it's actually Friday right now. Uh, This show going down tonight, uh, Ring of Honor, Best in the World, Rick and I will be live on One Wrestling Video talking about the show. I hope hope that we are live. Uh Uh-oh, he hopes that we uh, are live. But in in any case, we will have some kind of form of coverage for this thing. We Uh, will be covering Ring of Honor, Best in the World. And and we will let everyone know throughout the day if it's going to be on – a delayed release, the pre-tape, or if we can actually manage to pull off this live thing. The only way, the only reason I, I'm just being a little hesitant right now is because I've had some things, uh, some information come to light that I was not completely aware of. So we need to work out some technical difficulties, uh, but we will have all that great coverage from Best in the World. Uh, one of the technical difficulties is I'm on a Mac and you're on Windows, and they don't like each other. Big surprise. Actually, more specifically, my Mac and Google just don't like each other. Uh, no, my, cons- my, my biggest concern was I thought you had the password. The- <laughs> 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 oh, that's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. So uh, what could prevent us is uh, that, that since we are newbies over at One Wrestling Video, uh, of course, in association with OneWrestling.com, uh, the home of Bill Apker, uh, since we are noobs, we haven't been trusted with the keys to the car yet. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Big Ray, uh, you're uh, out there. Help a brother out. Help a brother out. And that was something we kind of overlooked. So uh, <laughs> we know we can get it recorded. We know we can get something going. Uh, and hopefully it will be through video at One Wrestling Video. Otherwise, you're going to be able to hit us here on this platform. Or, you know, we can do our, a, a joint operation somehow, as we usually do for these big shows. So let's throw it over to uh, the break. And uh, we'll be right back. And I'm going to prove once and for all in segment two that Vincent Kennedy McMahon is a racist. We'll be right back. So much hate inside You can see it in her eyes 
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program.
Hey, what's up, you Melvin? It's your boy TKO Ryan, one third of the best six man tag team on the planet, The Kingdom. And you were listening to The Locker Room with RBV and Jargo. So that was a word from uh, Stevie Richards and Stevie Richards Fitness. Rick, I am here to put it to rest once and for all. Vincent Kennedy McMahon is a racist. And I can prove it. I can so, so you, it. you've actually got it. After all the decades, uh, all the marks, all these snowflakes sitting and crying about the man. He's holding everyone down. He, it's, everything's a stereotype. He, he hates everyone outside of Rich Whitey. You finally have the proof. Yep, I've got it. I've got it. I know what it is. He hates people from the black and yellow brand. That's what it is. If you got over an NXT, fuck you. That's the new solution. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you this list. That's not racist. Yes, it is. It is racist against NXT. Anybody that is black and yellow, Vince McMahon hates you. So so we're not talking about, uh, let's say, um, I can't even think of a Chinese wrestler. Can we say all Asians? So, so it's just Ho, not Ho, that he's Loon. against. It's not like against like uh, not just Bobby Lashley, but also against Nakamura. So any blacks and yellows? Yep. Or, or can we actually let's narrow this down? It's not racism. It is brand bigotry. Brand bigotry. There we go. There we go. Brand bigotry. That's what's going on here. Uh, Rick, I'm going to read you this list, and this is just ridiculous. I want you to think of all these people's position on the card, okay? As it stands right now, you have. Andrade Cien Almas, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Neville, Bo Dallas, Big E. Seth Rollins is the exception to every rule. Okay. But now, okay, let's look at the women. Let's, let, let's just look at the women because maybe, maybe it's just the men's single division. Nope, we've got Paige. Of course, she's the GM. Charlotte, which is, of course, the exception to the rule. Then we have Sasha Banks, Bailey, Asuka, Ember Moon. Maybe, maybe if we look at the tag division, we've got Neville, we've got the Wyatt family, we've got Corey Graves, the Ascension, the Lucha Dragons, Blake and Murphy, the Villains, the Revival, American Alpha, Authors of Pain, Sanity. You seeing a trend here? If you hold NXT gold, you are getting buried on the main roster. No, 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 no. What do you, what do you mean by buried? Because when we go back through that the list you've got there on both sides, through all the divisions, uh, name by name, and I could make an argument that they're doing pretty well. I don't think they have bad careers just because they're not. Uh, sitting at, at the at the top of the mountain, holding uh, the universal or WWE championship or tag or women's championships, so it's anything that there's people that you listen to that have had great spots on the show. I'm this is where I'm getting incredibly fed up with WWE, and I'm I'm starting to realize that you know maybe it's just the talent that I like. You know, between Finn Balor and Oscar, between the two of them. They have one singles match win since WrestleMania. Tyler Breeze, God knows how often he wins a fucking match. Becky Lynch. I, I think this is just Jargo's feelings are hurt. I, my feelings are incredibly hurt. Maybe this is why I'm so down on the WWE product at this point. 
Maybe it's just because they're just shitting all over everybody I like. See, I think there is a war against Jargo going on by the WWE at this point. It's very disappointing. I got to thinking this morning, man. I was like, when the hell is the last time Finn Balor actually won a singles match? He's won three singles matches in 2018. When it, when it comes down to it, like, like we just pull, let's pull out the, the journalist side, the, the analyst side, uh, the talking head side of, of professional wrestling that we're on. Let's, let's take that out. Let's just put ourselves in a pure fanatic. Well, we, someone that we just can't help but root for, or, you know, that, that we know has got so much talent that we personally just want more for who are your top five in WWE in on Raw and SmackDown. Hmm. That's definitely going to require a little bit more thought than just throwing it on the spot. That's a good topic for Monday in the locker room. That might be a good topic for Monday in the locker room. The most underutilized talents on the WWE roster. Wait, and it's personal flavor. You know, let's throw it out there for anyone that's listening. You know, uh, hit us up via email, uh, Drop Jargo a, a private message. Drop myself a private message. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll put something up over on Facebook in the Hummy Media Discussion Group. Let's try to let's get this thing a little interactive. Let's have a little fun with it. Uh, we'll see what the others think, and you and I will will really sit and think on this uh, about the five talents that that we most enjoy that that we are marks for, and we'll kind of uh, we'll conversate over their standing in the in the company well let's uh let's take a look at uh some of the nominees here let's uh look take a look at this week in wwe um i and one storyline that i'm in noticing that is going on here um is the tale of two general managers uh page is 100 completely in control of smackdown you see her now multiple times throughout the show she's coming out she's getting business done and then you have Kurt Angle, who has completely lost control of Monday Night Raw. You are you're exactly right how they present these two. You know, you've got a, a strong female authority figure over with Paige. Uh, she comes out. She's very precise in what she wants. She reminds people that this is her program. She is in charge of everything. Uh, and even when the talent, you know, tries to get their way, she she quickly reminds them, "Hey, this is my decision." But in some cases, she's like, you know what? We're still going to go with what you said. That's a good idea. But it has to be, she, you know, she but it's still it, my decision. It's her decision. She is uh, the yes or the no. She, she's the deal breaker. Uh, like you're right. On the other side, you know, Kurt Angle, he's just walking around. I mean, thankfully, he's got that natural look to him where he's just got that vein constantly pounding <laughs> at his side. It looks like he's about to have an aneurysm at any point. Uh, he constantly reminds you throughout the show he's lost control. It, it, everything, it, it's it's off the tracks. And, and again, it, you've been saying this since before WrestleMania. Uh, he just comes off as a complete dumbass. Yeah. Yep. Kurt Angle is an idiot. Look back in the archives for that episode. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. Uh, so I guess let's let's talk a little bit about Kurt Angle and Constable Corbin and Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley and most importantly, Brock Lesnar. Rick, what the hell kind of contract does Brock Lesnar have that the WWE is prohibited from having a match? To name a number one contender for the title. Hey, when you talk about guys that have got some, got some pool. I mean, Hogan would be jealous of that kind of clause. That, that's what I'm saying. It you could just shut down an entire direction of the company because you just you don't feel like it happening. Like I understand, we don't have Brock Lesnar confirmed for SummerSlam. 
if that's the story, if that's the narrative, okay, I can get behind that. I can understand that. But for you to tell me that Brock Lesnar's contract prohibits you from having a match to even determine the number one contender, I can only suspend disbelief so far. I almost was wondering when, because you know, tuning in this week, I didn't watch uh, via USA Network. I was out, I was out doing some work, uh, so I had to find a stream for the show, and I, I kept looking at it, and I, I, I knew, I knew the date was right, and I saw people were watching it. You know, it was over like five hundred people on this stream, but I, I kept thinking, like, are they showing last week's show? Yeah, yeah. And they opened. You know, it took me a couple times. Cause I didn't have the sound up yet and I didn't have the headsets, my headset on yet to kind of hear what was going on. I, I just kept refreshing it thinking that I was watching last week's show. It almost made me wonder if they just, uh, because you know, just not on the platforms that, that you and I represent ourselves, but listening to other podcasts, you know, a lot of people were just so down on going the same route of this multi-man match for extreme rules. It was almost as if they would just went out there and hit the reset button. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how it seemed. So the multi-man match is out. What's in? Or is that prohibited too? Well, you know, I've, I actually got a story here on Brock Lesnar pulled up thanks to our friends over at ProWrestling.com. Uh, of course, you know, Brock's got a big decision to be made coming up here shortly, just outside of what we have going on storyline within WWE. He's got to get back to that testing pool very soon uh, to be eligible to even compete for UFC uh, by the end of the year or early into 2019. Correct. Uh, so he's got that coming up uh, again. He is under, under the current WWE deal. He, he is obligated to perform one more match. Uh, obviously that's going to be a championship match of some sorts. Uh, everyone's kind of assuming that's at SummerSlam, but we've got this storyline, you know, program going here. And it, I guess the entire purpose of what's being reported uh, through this story here on ProWrestling.com and more so through The Observer is that this is they're trying right now to get as much heat on Brock for deliberately delaying and preventing the title from being on television. Uh, they're trying to get as much heat as they can on him for for those antics. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Roman and well, Lashley. I, I, I'm going to tell you why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though. Uh, because every look at everything in this story that we've got. You know, Roman, I am the champ. I should have won that match. This guy isn't here to answer. It, 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 I mean, everything's indicating that they're building back again uh, to what we thought maybe they're going to go away from. But it looks like they're 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 still going on with it is Roman Reigns versus uh, Brock Lesnar at some point. So let's let's take a look at Roman and Lashley. Um, you have Roman Reigns coming out and being a complete douchebag. At least that's pretty much what I took out of uh, his little promo there. I mean, he's calling him Bob. I mean, just Roman's entire demeanor was just douchey. I don't think it's anything different than we've been getting from him. I actually think he held back a little bit from the usual uh, sophomore, you know, grab dick slap humor that he usually tries he just seems like a douchebag to me at this point like i'm so checked out on roman reigns you you can turn him heel you can keep him as a baby face you can put him on 205 live and just have him murder cruiserweights i don't care this guy's never going to be the face of the company best case scenario roman reigns is going to end up having a career like triple h 
Now, that doesn't necessarily sound like it's a bad thing. I, as far as I'm concerned, Triple H is one of the greatest of all time, which is, begs another question that was posed to me by my friend Luke. But Triple H was never the guy. Triple H was always second fiddle. He was always the foil to whoever the guy was. And, and to me, I see that as the ceiling for Roman Reigns. He is never going to be the face of the company. Face, heel, doesn't matter. You could have him go save fucking planet of Krypton. And Roman Reigns is not going to get over as a baby face. It's but, just you know, not going to happen. At least in the case of with Triple H is that he knew because, you know, he always had some sort of even when he wasn't the man. He had pull even through shot yep. before he really broke into match himself. There was always someone there or if it, if it was uh, big sexy or, or hall, someone was always there that had his back. My buddy Luke this morning actually posed the question to me. Is Triple H a Hall of Famer? And I was like, yeah, at first it's just like, that's just ridiculous. And he's like, no, no, no. Hear me out on this. What's your favorite memory of triple H that he did by himself? Well, I, it's, and it's just like yeah, wrestling is a dance. Wrestling. Yeah, is a dance. Of course he's a, of course he's a WWE hall of famer. Right. Now I guess I think more of your, I think the bigger argument is where does he truly rank with amongst the all time greats? I don't I, you know. Just off the top of my head. I don't, I don't think it's really top 10. No, I'm not even sure it's top like 25 at this point. That'd be something I have to really sit and think about. Because when I look at that, I, I do take into account uh, accomplishments, you know, championships, big wins, uh, where you've headlined. But, you know, a little of that gets that water gets dirty around that time because of how much that the business had changed. And we had seen all these titles being, you know, swapped around. And I look, what, what did you really do for the business? How much did you really help it grow? Uh, were, you, were you really the headliner there? Or is it that point where it was just the company name selling itself? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the argument that he was making. He's like, you know, I'm not arguing, you know, Hunter's accomplishments. I'm just saying that he's incredibly overrated. And I and think it's you hard know, to argue. What you'll have, you know, a lot of this is Roman Reigns will have that. He'll have the longevity. So years later, when you sit and you look at that resume and you go back on the network and how they'll present everything, he'll be viewed in a much different light. But he's never going to be the guy. It's never going to happen. The fan base is not going to let it happen. Uh, so are we going to have Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley at Extreme Rules? Is that kind of where you feel like this thing is going? I think that's where they need to go with this thing. I think that's a big match, uh, especially for... You know, a pay-per-view that individuals are usually down on. We're in that kind of filler spot between Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. You, you need something that's really going to, uh, I, you know, entice the consumer. It's really going to want to pull them in here. And one thing I and I did like about this promo, I liked about this exchange between these two this week, uh, even uh, pre and post match, is that we got a little more real Bobby Lashley. Yeah, but he just, my problem with Lashley, and, and you're seeing it as soon as he got back into the WWE, that guy cannot memorize dialogue and deliver it and have it feel natural. He just sounds like this all the time when he is talking. He has no tonal inflection whatsoever. He has no emotion. He is just Bobby Lashley, the robot. I, I, it, I, you know, that goes to the style there. They yep. don't really let you invoke your own emotion. He is, 
he is going to desperately need some sort of mouthpiece, uh, especially if he's going to move, if he can actually overcome this and move forward into a program with Brock Lesnar. Uh, I mean, Heyman does a great job of carrying even Brock's opponents through his promos, but to really take this thing to the next level, I think you've got to get his MMA crew involved. Like we saw in impact wrestling. I mean, that just took the Bobby Lashley act to another level. And thank you for bringing that up. Dear Roman Reigns, if you are going to call somebody a failure in the MMA world, maybe you should check his record first. Bobby Lashley is 15 and two and you're sitting there talking shit. How'd that work out for you, Bobby? Pretty fucking good. Thanks. I was beating the shit out of people. People were saying left and right. Why isn't this guy getting a heavyweight title shot? You know, I'm, I'm going to go here. Let's go conspiracy talk. Dude, that was Vince McMahon talking to Bobby Lashley and telling him he was an unloyal and ungrateful son of a bitch. That's all that fucking promo was. Or, or is it them brown nosing and kissing a little ass that they don't like? For saying you ain't shit in MMA unless you do it in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous, man. Like, that whole promo was just so disconnected for me. Just, you know, just in case they need uh, some favors, you know, because we've got the tie-in with Brock and Ronda and everything else that's going on. In case they need some favors, let's make sure that everyone in the world knows that WWE and their superstars, especially Roman Reigns, believe that if you didn't do it in UFC, then you didn't do it in, in MMA. I almost felt like that. Just as if it's just as if if you didn't do it in WWE, you didn't do it in wrestling. I I felt more like Bobby Lashley was the victim of Vince McMahon's aggression towards CM Punk. That's what that promo felt like to me. If you if you just close your eyes and listen to that Roman Reigns promo, and you imagine CM Punk on the other side of the ring instead of Bobby Lashley. Tell me that promo doesn't ring true. That felt like Vince McMahon sending a message to CM Punk, and it just so happened that Bobby Lashley happened to be on the other side of the ring. It doesn't work with Bobby Lashley because none of it was true. But if you apply it to Punk, all of it's true. I don't know. I think you 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 need to put the tinfoil hat on, man. Yeah, speaking of Punk, we've got another Punk reference throughout this show. We've got another punk reference throughout this show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the revival. Does does this say anything about the revival? Them getting a big win here over Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns? Or did they just happen to be the guys on the other side of the ring while we're teasing dissension between Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns? I think this kind of goes into setting hitting the reset button here. Something that you probably should have had happen last week. I mean, we've seen Roman Reigns just beat up tag teams himself. So, I mean, there is something to be said about them getting a pin on him. I I felt more like this was Bobby Lashley just sending a message to Roman Reigns. See, when we tagged last week, we won the match because you let me do what I do. You get you in the match and you're a freaking failure because you suck. I want to, I want to plead, I want to use my, uh, my favorite, I'll plead the fifth card on this one because I'm going to be very interested to see what happens this Monday involving the revival you know they they get a big win there they steal let's say steal a big win in a confusion between the rivalry that's growing between Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns and trying to one-up each other so revival is able to steal a win there 
a lot of people are wondering, you know, is this going to help? Does this improve their standing in a very, very weak tag division? Does this help the tag division overall? Does it help it at all? Let's let's hold off to see what happens Monday because I'm not going to be one bit surprised if we see Roman Reigns come out and beat the Revival by himself. That would not surprise me either. Uh, this this is a program that I don't even really care about. I just wanted to comment on quick, and that's uh, Mojo Rowley versus No Way Jose. Um, you, the thing that really, really struck me here is earlier in the show, you show Mojo Rowley at a special Olympics event being the nicest guy in the freaking world to all these special needs kids. And then not 20 minutes later, you turn around and you have him coming out here being a complete douchebag to a guy named Todd who probably deserved it. But why in the world are you doing this? You're killing like, yourself. Hold on. First of all, I didn't. Was that Mojo Raleigh in that promo? It was Mojo and Becky. Oh, I, I. Sorry, you have to see where I was easily confused. I thought that was actually a special Olympian. I do see the confusion. I do see the confusion. But, hey, you know, hey, all right. I, I thought of a way to defend this. I thought I was trying to think of a way to defend this. The mojo we are getting now is focused and serious in the ring. He is serious about his job. So he could still take the time uh, to celebrate and appreciate the fans of WWE. Here's the thing. All right. Here's the thing. I don't care if Mojo does charity work. In fact, I applaud Mojo doing charity work. I applaud Mojo going to the Special Olympics. This absolutely is something 100% completely up Mojo's alley, being a former professional athlete. Here's the thing, though. Don't show him in the goddamn video package if you're going to have him come out and be a complete asshole 20 minutes later. And I think what really sets it over there, which is, which is kind of the hole in my argument, if he was just taking it out, on Jose, that would have worked. But when he went after the conga line, yeah, uh, he's hey, going after some guy named Todd. Hey, dressed they up, Todd. dressed up that like audience, cheeseburger. That audience was loving Todd, man. No, they were just cheeseburger marks. No one's a cheeseburger mark. They were loving Todd. But hey, I thought this was one of the, this is some of Mojo's best work right here. I, I'm liking the act here. I don't think he's ever going to rise above, you know, that that lowered a mid card, but that's a good fit for him right there. Oh yeah. I mean, the match was fine. I just, I don't necessarily care about the program, but that really stood out to me where it's just like, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot here? Just doesn't make any sense. Just don't show him in the video package. Just do the video package about Becky Lynch because we like Becky Lynch. Heaven forbid. It's it just the disconnect is incredible just incredible let's talk about hey, I, i'll tell you what's even better mojo looks like a special olympian and becky lynch sounds like one i got nothing i got nothing let's talk about uh uh the new best friends uh kevin owens and braun Strowman on this show taking on uh, constable corbin otherwise known as uh, the replacement for corporate kane and uh braun Strowman's little buddy finn balor um Corbin and Balor kind of they're there. I, I assume that's going to be a program going into extreme rules. You're going to have constable Corbin versus Finn Balor. Don't really care. Uh, the, the more important question here, why does Braun Strowman hate Kevin Owens? 
What the hell did Kevin Owens do to Braun Strowman? Is it so much that he that he hates him, or is it just that it's so much fun running through him? I I, I don't understand here. Like, I feel like these two are doing a double turn. Like, all the sympathy is being put on Owens, and Braun Strowman's just being a dick. Well, is it, uh, Kevin Owens is just one of those guys. I mean, he, he's conniving. He's so under underhanded. Uh, he's so two faced in every situation. He's just a guy that you naturally just hate. And that's why Strowman hates him. I'm just, I, I have Kevin Owens do something to Braun Strowman. I mean, we've, we've seen Braun Strowman throw Kevin Owens off of a ladder. We've seen Kevin Owens come out and try to befriend Braun Strowman. And then we saw Braun Strowman try to murder Kevin Owens. There's been time and time again. Kevin tried to get everyone in that match against Braun. Uh, in that in that four way going into Money in the Bank, he that was to get clearly to- just strategy in a multi man match because he knew Braun Strowman is so powerful he couldn't beat him on his own. So now the monster among men is just stalking Kevin Owens. What did Kevin Owens do to Braun Strowman? Because Kevin Owens is just this annoying gnat that keeps flying around. So you just keep swatting at it until you get rid of it. I just I don't understand why. I'm Ron telling Stroman you why because Kevin Owens Kevin is just Owens. a terrible person. It's just someone you just naturally hate, and Strowman just doesn't like. What's the last dastardly thing that Kevin Owens did to anybody? You guys he, got Kevin Owens he, all he, he wrong. He constantly is he constantly is going and whining and complaining and crying and asking for handouts. From Kurt Angle, from from Corbin, from any, from Stephanie, he's making phone calls. If he doesn't get his way, he's that spoiled brat that everyone hates. Uh, he's the reason that you shake kids you because know, of attitudes like his. Why is Braun Strowman stalking Kevin Owens when he has the Money in the Bank briefcase? Shouldn't he be uh, interjecting in this whole Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley thing, coming out and saying, it doesn't matter who the number one contender is because I got this. Yeah, he doesn't have to. They're, they're already unnoticed. They know who has the case. He doesn't have to worry about that. Right now, he's just dealing with this annoyance that's just kind of, he's getting rid of his gnat. He's a bully. He's a bully. He flipped over Kevin Owens' car this week. For no that apparent was, reason. That was pretty stupid. That Just was one because of the Kevin Owens was. tried to be his friend. And he was a good tag team partner, too. He was a good tag team partner. And he only was doing it to work at Angle. He sees right through Kevin Owens. But you know the reality of it is, hey, I, what, I, what I really like what this is, looks like it's building to, and I, you were one of the first ones to mention this that I heard, I hope they do a swap with this case. I really hope so. I really hope so. I feel like that's how this has to end because the good guy has to come out on top and take away the briefcase from this monster who's just stalking him for no, no apparent reason. It's he ridiculous. Is a, he he is like a, a scumbag used car salesman. He needs to be dealt with, and that is what Braun is doing. Let's talk about Dolph Ziggler and uh, Seth Rollins. Um, I... What do you want to say about this match? I mean, this was clearly the best thing that happened on WWE TV this week. Uh, The fans were into this match. It was a good match. It reminded you of just how goddamn good Dolph Ziggler can be. Um, I'm really hoping that they let Ziggler kind of run with this Intercontinental title and let him do what Seth Rollins has been doing. Let him go out and let him steal the show. 
Give Dolph Ziggler 20 minutes. Let him go out there and do what Dolph Ziggler does. But Seth Rollins, dude is killing it right now. Dude is killing it. The fans were super into this match. I know Rollins is not your personal taste, but it's Monday Night Rollins, man. Hey, I, I, I always say it. You know, I'm not so naive to, to look past my, my own personal view of it. Uh, he is arguably the most popular superstar in WWE right now. The guy's absolutely on fire. Uh, his segments are, are through the roof each and every week. Uh, as we started off the show, we were talking about ratings. Both of us, you got to give credit to Rollins for holding these people through. I mean, just the, the formula, but the matchup is what actually did this here. Uh, Seth Rollins leading the way. He's the name that sold this thing. The guy's firing. I know I've been down on because it is, you know, it's rinse and repeat. It's paint by numbers Rollins, but I actually enjoyed this match. We know with the extended time that we were given here, I really liked the, the story they told in the first half of the match with Ziggler really working all of the injuries. And then, and then, I, of, and then of course you get into Rollins where he's got to hit all the spots. I like when they, they, they send McIntyre away. It gave you a little, just a little bit that, Maybe we're going to get something different here. Maybe he is going to get this thing back, and then they and then they you know he comes back out and they throw it all away there. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But once again, Kurt Angle has completely lost control of this show. They send Drew McIntyre to the back, and then Drew McIntyre comes back out, interferes in the match. Like by Kurt Angle's own logic, shouldn't Drew McIntyre either a be suspended for thirty days? Or B have to go to counseling next week. You know, just like just a logic on that. It, maybe you could do this anytime. We know gorillas there. They've shown us that. They've they've gone and broke down that wall and shown us what is there. I mean, what do you expect that if you get someone, especially if you're banned from ringside, that they have some kind of enforcement there to make sure you don't re-enter? You would think. You would think that there would be security at the gorilla position. You would think. Not the gorillaposition.com. We know there's security there. Ryan and Michael got that shit on lock. But the gorilla position at the WWE? Wide open. You know, one thing, speaking of the gorilla position, I thought this was fascinating. Listening to 83 weeks, I never realized that the gorilla position is a WWE thing. Like, that's not, that's not like a worldwide, like, just standard operating procedure for a wrestling show. That's... A WWE thing. I thought that was fascinating. WCW didn't have a gorilla position. Well, I think uh, I, I think as it grew, because I've heard others, you know, talk about. Like we've heard uh, our, our friend Irvin Ahamin Media Group, Strangler Steve. You know, he's worked in gorilla for different spots. But I think it's people that have gone and learned because you know he was trained by Killer, so he learned quite a bit about the WWE style. Yep. So you know that's something that they were always going to take with them. But you're right, you know, probably down where. You know, NWA, where WCW grew from, those territories down there, you probably didn't have something like that. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. I thought that was fascinating that that was kind of a, a WWE thing. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, SmackDown and talk about the singles. We're going to knock out all the singles division here, and then we'll move on to the Jersey Mike segment, and then we'll talk the tag division. Uh, on, on SmackDown, not a whole lot to talk about this week. Uh, SmackDown was very much a throwaway show, and obviously the ratings reflected that. Um, really the only singles match to really talk about on the show, Rusev versus Xavier Woods. Um, obviously this, this is basically a squash match for Rusev, but does this actually help you buy Rusev as a legit contender to AJ Styles in any way, shape or form? 
Yeah, I think this was just complete throwaway. I think they figured, you know, we don't have the champ here to start building this thing to get it going. Uh, so they, they just they kind of went with the safest maybe route that they could. I, I was really expecting something something so much more here to go and really give me something in either direction. Like give me a, like a really hard like a, a healer's promo or because, you know, in that showdown, it looked like Rusev was ready to show respect and, and just go out there and, and try to be the better man. I feel like this was, you know, just running in quicksand. Yep, very much so. Very much so. And then the only other singles competitor to talk about on the show, CN. We actually get a CN appearance briefly in a in a Zelina Vega backstage selfie promo where she's calling for more competition for CN. Well, how about this? Jeff Hardy threw out an open challenge at the beginning of the show. Why didn't you fucking answer it? You should have beat Eric Young to the goddamn gorilla. Um, dude, really, this, really disappointed that what wasn't are we doing? Really disappointed. And then you say you're throwing out, I want, we want more competition. How about any competition at first? Yeah. Not anything. Yeah. The only thing, the only matches he's really won, right. Is over enhancement talent. Yeah. Uh, we've never actually got the payoff with, with him and Sankar, at least on television. Yeah. Yeah. We never did get that match. Never did get that match. And then CN went missing for a couple of weeks. And now all of a sudden he's back and we're reintroducing his character again. What the hell is going on? Just do something with this guy. Do something. Uh, the only other thing I really wanted to talk about on SmackDown was I, once again, here's the SmackDown missing an action list this week. Cause I thought this was fascinating. You ready for this one? I wonder why it had such a low rating. Let me read off to you the list of people not on SmackDown this week. But on the roster, man, I tell you what, if I would have paid like 150 bucks for a ticket to this show, I would have been pissed. AJ Styles, world heavyweight champion, Carmella, women's champion, Charlotte Flair, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Cesaro, Sheamus, Epico, Primo, Anderson Gallows, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Randy Orton, R-Truth, Shane McMahon, Shelton Benjamin, Sin Cara, and Tamina. Missing in action. That's a whole nother fucking show and a probably a better show than the one that we got. I mean, outside of the main event angle on SmackDown, nothing happened. It was a throwaway show from the shoot outside of that main event angle, which is all anybody is really talking about. It's funny. You were just talking about if you paid money for it, you'd be upset. Uh, actually, this week I was just offered uh, later in July, I think it's the 23rd, uh, Raw is going to be coming live from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, offered the, the, the usual suites that I have. I uh, actually turned them down. Yep. No, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Uh, there's, and again, this goes back to you know, anyone that's been listening. I'm a market guy. There's nothing special about going to a live event. There is nothing that really sets it apart from me sitting box level there watching the show that I'm going to take away that I can't get from watching at home. And essentially, even with those premium tickets giving given to me, you're still handing me a bill for $200 that I don't want to go down and spend and sit through an evening uh, of live WWE, especially when they are not going to go to even make really an effort to make that live experience, you know, over the top for, for the fans that, that want to be there or just even try to attract and draw anyone in. Yep. Yep. Well said. And I'd rather go to a house show than a TV taping any day of the week, any day of the week. I think all around, it's just, it's just so 
it, it blows my mind how little concern they show towards the true live event experience. Uh, and then you sit there and wonder why these numbers are down. That it's not the spectacle that it used to be, especially with you know how we consume the product now. It's so uh, widespread. There's so many different avenues that we can go through. You think that they would really focus on? You need to be here. It is something very special. We're gonna you're, we're gonna interact with you. You're gonna get an experience that you can't get on any of our other platforms. When in reality, all the other platforms would be Facebook or you know, whatever on social media, the network television. Uh, through just you know their own radio interviews that they do are so much more interactive. They're so much more involved to get fans invested than going to the damn show. Yep, yep. So let's throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues, now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Phoenix, softer, prettier. Oh, Jersey, Mike, he was hot this week. Oh, this one's going to be rough. This one's going to be rough. Don't worry, Jersey. I'll tell you when to turn off the uh, podcast. I'll tell you when. Uh, let, let's start with uh, Mickey and Alexa back together again, completely randomly. Did that Did that catch you off guard? Like, when did these two kiss and make up? You know, with with these two, it's almost uh, this is almost like the uh, the R truth and the gold dust. Yeah, a little bit. It's just it's just so random back and forth. What's going on with them? Uh, there is no fluency in what they actually are doing with with Mickey. It's all right. We need someone in this role. We need this spot. We've got our women so widespread. We just need someone to plug in here. No one's going to remember what she was doing a month ago. No one cares about that. No, no one yeah, cares like, that they turned their backs on each other. These two but have turned on each other almost as many times as Bailey and Sasha have. It's ridiculous. And yet, you know, they come out Monday night. All smiles. All smiles. Um, and then we have Natty and Naya. Why in the world is Natty hanging out with Naya Jax? And even more so. Even more so. So, so, so Natty comes out and starts cutting her promo first. And Natty is basically cutting the promo for Rousey in the Alexa match. But we don't have hype the Nia versus Alexa match at all. We don't talk about that at all. Instead, as Natty is getting ready to walk to the ring, she brings out her buddy, Nia Jax. The same Nia Jax who was at the throat of Ronda Rousey just a couple of weeks ago who was being a complete bitch, Nia Jax, once again, she is the female big show. We flipped her character again. Now Nia Jax is magically a baby face again. This thing is a train wreck, man. Yeah, I was going to say, I, just outside of just the, the complete void of logic in, in all the booking around this entire situation here, I don't know who I feel more sorry for. You know, Nia Jax just for actually having no talent or really no use in the company. Or Natalia, who actually has some talent and use, but her her entire existence now is simply, I am Rhonda's friend. Yep. That's that's basically the role that Natty is now playing. She's there to she is there to now carry the mic work for Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss going into SummerSlam. That's what's going on here. And in the meantime, Nia has a championship match against Alexa Bliss in what? Three weeks? Two weeks. 
Yeah, two weeks. I was going to say, you know, this like, we got just a couple of weeks turnaround here before we get to Extreme Rules, the 15th, I believe. And I made the comment going into Money in the Bank that Extreme Rules was going to fuck everything up because it was just another one of these little speed bumps, just like Fastlane, that we, oh, we got to get through this before we can start to build the SummerSlam. And that's exactly what's going on. But instead, we're just not going to build the fa- to, uh, uh, what is it? Extreme rules. We're not going to build to it at all. We're just going to start building the SummerSlam program. Oh, yeah. And this is going to happen, too. That's basically what's going on. You know, as we came into this, I put over both shows. I enjoyed this week's programming for the most part, uh, except for on the other side of that, for the most part, I I really don't kind of have so much positive to say here about a lot of these women's segments. But this one is probably hands down just from. Looking at from a logical standpoint, what you got going forward, you know, how really how important this is for your just not the raw women's division, but all, your entire women's perspective and the entire company. This should be something of importance that you're focusing on. And this is an absolute train wreck, uh, a shit show. And a head scratcher. I, I don't know. When Nia Jax came out all smiles, I was just I was just like, oh, she's turned again. She's turned again. What the hell? It's the big show. My God. Uh, let, let, let's let's uh, bounce over to the SmackDown women, and then we'll come back and talk about the other thing. Uh, uh, so Sonya Deville versus Becky Lynch, not a whole lot to talk about. I thought the, the Wednesday locker room did a real good job of uh, breaking down Sonya Deville's lack of career at this point. Um, I guess the bigger question here is, can Becky Lynch grab the brass ring now that your precious Sharshar is going to be out for a few weeks here? Is Becky finally going to get a push with Charlotte out? I still think this was, I think this is probably going to change the direction. I still have a feeling it was supposed to be Becky versus Charlotte. Mm. Uh, or, or, you know, or going back to what Strangler Steve had talked about, that they foreshadowed this when they had Charlotte out there, then Asuka, then Becky standing in that exact order. That This is, this is the uh, procession for Mella. To prove she is money by taking those three out systematically. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this Asuka and Carmella program is moving forward. I don't think we're going to get to Becky Lynch. Well, I'm going to say, I, I think maybe Becky Lynch, maybe she maybe she becomes the challenger at SummerSlam. I, I think Asuka and Carmella is the SummerSlam program. I, th- I think that's just... I think we're staying on this course all the way to SummerSlam. And then I think Asuka takes the title at SummerSlam. You, you still, I think you still get to that point there where it, I, what do you do with Becky? So Charlotte comes back for the SummerSlam program and you have Charlotte versus Becky there. Well, hopefully Charlotte comes back when Becky needs help at her most dire time. And Charlotte kicks the ever loving shit out of Becky Lynch and turns heel because that's what Charlotte should have been the whole goddamn time. Uh, and then also next week, I guess we're going to get Ellsworth versus Asuka. Um, I, I, I know you're excited for this one. I have this terrible, terrible feeling that Ellsworth is going to win this match. Ellsworth is going to win this match. But uh, again, props to Paige. She comes out promptly and makes the match. And then we get the creepy exchange between Ellsworth and Paige. I just, I just so want, I'm so wanting for Ellsworth to show up with his intergender championship next week. Oh, he, I, I know there is slim to, to zero possibility, but how awesome would that be? Yes, absolutely. 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 Uh, and I, I am with you. I, I think Carmella comes in with the assist and we see uh, Mr. Ellsworth get that win. 
Yep. But I, I am looking overall. I am. I'm still looking forward to uh, the outcome that you pitch following along of the Japanese tale. Yep. Yep. Spirited away, waiting for Ellsworth to become Oscar's mouthpiece. I, I think that would be tremendous. You know, and that's what we're building towards at SummerSlam. I, I think you've got the program that is going to be the hit, sir. Yep. It's going to be money. It's going to be money. Uh, so let's let, let's uh, move over to that thing that nobody wants to talk about. Jersey, now is the time that you should probably skip forward in the podcast. Because Jersey Mike told me, I don't want to listen to anybody bashing the, the, the Sasha and Bailey program, bro. Okay, Jersey, shut the podcast off now because... This thing sucks. This thing sucks. For, for any of our listeners out there that kind of wonder, you know, why we have the Jersey Mike segment, or you know, maybe why we we reference Jersey quite a bit. Uh, he is a he is a great follower and supporter of the show, uh, and a friend uh, of both of Jargos and myself, and regularly, and you much more than myself, but. I get it involved a little bit at times. Uh, Jersey will conversate with us over the course of the evening. Uh, at times, we're all, you know, we're 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 kind of uh, up just for you by work. By the way, by the way, I guess so, we should we let Jersey in on the joke, dear Jersey. If you talk shit about Rick to me, I tell Rick, and when you talk shit about me to Rick, Rick tells me. We're in on the joke, bro. <laughs> We're in on so, the joke. So I think the best part is, is he was trying to, to defend this, this program or not, not even defend because and he, he gets in this position where he is so narrow minded. He only sees what he wants to see in, in one direction, but he couldn't get. Uh, and as, as we were kind of uh, counter pointing him, I think we, we broke him Tuesday night. Okay, uh, because I saw that he took to his personal feed. He was talking about uh, taking up smoking weed and he needs to learn how to relax and blah, blah, blah. So here's what I'm going to do for you, Jersey. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's, let's actually talk about the program at hand here. This has been the slow burn. This has been going on before WrestleMania and it's been one of those they, they they let a little line out. They reel it back in. They let it out. They let that drag out a little bit. They yank it back in. Uh, we are finally starting, or what we think we are starting to see is this thing starting to boil a little bit. Uh, so this week, it, it seems there's a, a finally a breaking point with Bailey. We're following a loss to the riot squad where Sasha takes the uh, the fall. Barely completely snaps. Correct. Yep. That's it. That's it. I was supposed to say that. That's how you saw this thing. Uh, it, it starts. She she throws her to the outside. She's using the ring steps. Uh, it was a rather vicious snap. Yep. Uh, she's even can be overheard. Uh, you ain't shit. I love the uh, huggers gonna hug uh, T-shirt that's been uh, remade into the "You Ain't Shit" shirt. I love that. Uh, it, it definitely, definitely a pop moment there when, when I saw that thing. That circulating. was great. Great work, whoever came up with that thing. Uh, you ain't shit. So I, I could see where it's very easy for a lot of people, you know, at first glance and on the surface now to immediately, okay, the turn has been made. It is set here. Bailey is heel. And a lot of think, and a lot of people will think, God, we, we just don't need the hugger. It has to be, she has to go heel because we're tired of the hugger. 
no, that is not the case. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. I would love it if that's what was happening, but that's not what's happening. Well, and even even if it, I don't know if I love it because I have some concern with how they handle Bailey. Oh, agree. But, but what I would love is at least they're making a decision and going in a direction. Yep. But that is not what we're getting here. <laughs> we are still getting where they refuse to draw the line in the sand. They still want to. They want to divide the audience for Team Sasha. Team Bailey, I guess Vince McMahon just finally got onto the Twilight Train, where he wants everyone on these teams going against each other. Yep, that's exactly what's going on. Uh, two weeks ago, Sasha Banks gets the better of Bailey, beats the shit out of her backstage. Right? This week, before Sasha can do anything to Bailey, Bailey jumps Sasha, beats the shit out of her. Right? So next week, Bailey's going to counseling. All right. Or, or are they both going? No, I think just Bailey. Okay. I think just Bailey. And so what I assume is going to happen is Bailey's going to go to counseling and she's going to have a change of heart and she's going to go and she's going to apologize to Sasha and Sasha's going to turn around. She's going to beat the shit out of Bailey. And then the next week, Sasha's going to get sent to counseling. This is going to be what they are booking this program for. And this is what pisses me off about it. They are booking. Let's go, Bailey. Let's go, Sasha. Let's go, Bailey. Let's go, Sasha. That is what they want. They want a 50 50 reaction and you heard it in the crowd response they weren't cheering bailey they were cheering violence they were saying we want tables we want tables not yeah bailey get her or oh no poor sasha they were saying we want tables we want more mindless violence yeah this is great no you're supposed to fucking boo bailey if this was gonna be a goddamn heel turn then you boo bailey and immediately you heard commentary pivot because that was not the crowd reaction they wanted. They wanted you to boo Bailey. If this was a heel turn, it's now a failed heel turn because of you fucking WWE marks who just want to see Sasha versus Bailey so fucking bad that you cheer when they finally try to do something. God damn it. I absolutely love that you picked up on the commentary team having to go in a complete different direction. They totally pivoted on the spot. They totally pivoted. With In my mindset, if you really want it to hammer home, you know, especially it's you want to get a reaction from your live audience that parlays over to the home audience. So that feeling kind of goes widespread throughout the WWE universe. I don't understand why the hell you're picking your time to do this in essentially what is Bailey's backyard. So fucking stupid, man. You know, anywhere along that area there in California, they absolutely love her. And, and you're pulling this in, and you're pulling this there. Uh, you've had, and usually we can say maybe timing didn't work out. You've had this program going on now for six for, months. Yes. Since the Rumble, since, since the Rumbles in January for six months, you've been doing this and you so, pick San Diego, California to try to heel turn Bailey. Yeah, so is, and I know stupid. it's not exactly her hometown, but it is her backyard. They love her all throughout there. And so at this point, I mean, why couldn't you just wait uh, an extra week to make sure you're out of California or, you know, hope that you get the, the, the better uh, the better reaction you're looking for, even even if so, why wasn't you know Sasha booked more in that finish as 
a, a baby getting screwed over not once, you know, ever get screwed over, truly, truly screwed over in that finish, and then the attack to really pile on the sympathy. But no, we're not getting that. You're exactly right, Jarko. We're going right back. We want Bailey. We want Sasha. They want 50-50 here. Uh, and the problem is 50-50 here is not the glass is half full. It's half empty, and that is the reaction you're going to get. Yep, completely agree. As before we went on the air, I was just I was over-checking uh, some of my updates over on Facebook and the Hami Media Discussion Group. I, I apologize for not knowing the individual's name or even actually the thread. I, I was very quickly – I saw this right before you called me. Uh, but apparently it was out there. One of the ex-WW uh, creative writers was recently on a podcast and and spoke extensively about the instructions they were given when handling the women was to book them where the lines were blurred between babies and heels. Yeah. So this is like a, a, a company like objective with them. Yep. It is now two weeks ago. It was the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. And uh, the former creative team member's name is Kevin Eck. He is actually uh, quite frequently a guest on uh, Interview well, Friday. Say, you know, once, once you say the name, yeah, that's a well-known name. You know, yep. He's out there regularly you know, yep. it, interacting with the internet wrestling. Great interview. Great interview. That guy's got some great insight as to, as to how the entire creative process works, and, which is why I love it when people argue with me about how the creative process works. When I hear it from people like Kevin Eck. It's just ridiculous. Uh, so let's let's shift over to the tag division and the real main event of the entire WWE week. Uh, Miz TV, the Bludgeon Brothers, Daniel Bryan, and if only somebody would have seen this coming, the return of Kane and Team Hell No. Um, I told you it was coming. I told you it was coming. I knew it was coming. And I still fucking pop for it. You knew it was coming, but I told you when it was coming. You did. You did. But I still popped for it. I still completely popped for it. It was one of those things where you have what you believe, or, you know, as we sit here talk, we believe it's such a great idea that we've, we've got this creative nailed down. This is something they have to do. Like you get yourself so excited, but then you're so nervous that it's not going to happen. Yeah, I know. I was so worried that it'd be somebody like Samoa Joe making a baby first baby face turn or something, you know? You get so nervous about it, but then when it does happen, you're, you're just crazy all, all over again for yep. it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what that's what this was, you know? And then the crowd went into a frenzy. They loved it. They ate it up. It was the highlight of, of SmackDown Live this week. It was the highlight of WWE this week. I mean, I guess you could kind of consider the Sasha and Bailey thing if, if, if you're delusional and think that Bailey is turned heel and that's where this entire thing is going. Um, but this was the highlight of WWE TV this week. And we, we even said on the locker room, we knew AJ Styles was not going to be in the building. We knew Carmella was not going to be in the building. We knew this was going to be a throwaway episode of SmackDown Live, which is why you had to do it this week. You had to do it this week. This is the only reason to watch this entire episode of SmackDown. Well, it, you know, other than that, though, you know, the writing was on the wall there. And the longer you drag it out, the more people are going to start to speculate. So you, you had to beat them to the punch. Yep. Yep. Um, so what do you think? Where does this thing go? Do, do, do you think that they're actually going to let these guys win the tag titles? Or is Kane going to turn on Brian? 
and we get Kane versus Brian at SummerSlam, and everybody's disappointed that we have wasted the entire Daniel Bryan return. And then Daniel Bryan leaves the company at the beginning of September to go to much brighter pastures in the land of the rising sun. I'm telling you, there there is so much up in the air here, which, I mean, just business questions, creative questions, reality questions, kayfabe questions. This thing could go in so many different directions. I mean, it, it almost makes makes your head explode. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much at play here that it really breaks down to, is Daniel Bryan going to resign? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, I mean, people are, why aren't we pushing Brian? Well, if Brian's not going to resign, they're not going to push Brian. Does so it, how do you satisfy the, the audience with Brian while you have him? Could it as simple come down to as you were just talking about? Yeah, we have something in store for Brian at SummerSlam, but right now we don't. And you know what? Is anyone really invested in extreme roles? Let's just throw this together and get it out there. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Team Hell No goes over in this thing and we still have that feel-good moment, but the Bludgeon Brothers still somehow retain. I, I don't really know what this does for the SmackDown Live tag division going forward. I mean, if you had the Bludgeons drop this one right out the gate to these guys. You know what I'm uh, afraid? You know and, what and I'm this, afraid? And, and this is just a short-term reunion. I mean, what does this do for this division? I'm afraid that the entire Sasha and Bailey thing is being done now. Only so that we can get a crossover with Dr. Shelby and Kane and Brian at Extreme Rules. That, that, that has been mentioned on a, I've, I've seen a, a few people talking about that. Uh, to me, hey, I love to see Dr. Shelby back with Team Hell No. I think forcing it through this counseling on Raw is going to be a major backfire. I completely agree, but I almost wonder if that's the angle here. And if that's the angle, God damn it, dude, Sasha and Bailey deserve better than that. I mean, come on. If, if this entire thing is being put together just so you can get that moment between Shelby, Kane, and Brian, then what a freaking waste. Well, I think this goes back to, you know, the bigger the bigger picture is that they never really were all that serious about the evolution. It was about lady balls and buzzwords. Yep. Yep. And that they don't even think enough of what you've actually done to this this slow this slow burn for Sasha and Bailey. They don't even think enough to even let it have its own original course that they have to try to tie it in with something else like this that it obviously will just completely overshadow it when it comes to importance and what we remember going forward. Uh, I, I think that just speaks to really there's, there's still their mindset about women's wrestling. Yep. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, so Eric Young takes on Jeff Hardy in the uh, open challenge. That was a little uh, surprising. Um, kind of cool to see uh, Eric Young even in that position. Although, I completely thought, and I even said to you, it better fucking be CN. It better be CN. And it was not CN. It was Eric Young. Um, Sanity's entrance feels like the freaking Blair Witch Project, man. I mean, how many freaking camera cuts can we get in one freaking entrance? It's going to give somebody a seizure. Uh, the Usos come out, end up inter uh, interfering here, and we end up with a six-man as the Usos and Jeff Hardy take on Sanity. Of course, the Usos and Jeff Hardy go over, and immediately Sanity has already been defined down on the main roster. Took them all of two weeks. It, this is one of those terms. I hate to throw this out so 
so quickly, but it almost seemed like dead on arrival. Yeah, it really did, man. That was sad. That was freaking sad. I don't uh, understand it. I, I guess maybe possibly if you didn't try to do so much in one show, you know, where you restart the match in tag fashion. It was just disappointing. I, as a fan of sanity, this was just disappointing. It will, you know what I really would have done here? We would, I would have tied this to what we were just talking about. You could have had a great moment. And again, this, this is just kind of speculation because I don't know every, and it all comes down to what the hell's going on with Daniel Bryan. I almost would have held off and, and done that Bludgeon Brother Team Hell No at Extreme Rules and, and really saved sanity for that. Yeah. Uh, whoever, whoever you decide to go forward with out of that match, interject sanity with one of those two teams. It seems so much more fitting to where they're at right now. Uh, right now, it just seems like, yeah, that was a cool gimmick. That's another one you don't get. It reminds me of a, too much of already what's going on between both of your shows anyway. There's nothing that stands out about it. Now you've you've clearly made you've clearly defined that by just immediately tossing them into uh, 50-50. Yep, yep. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Raw tag team titles, uh, the Deleters of Worlds, and the B team. That uh, there's one of those familiar acts. <laughs> uh, Rick, are you still enjoying this? Yeah, I'm, I'm behind it for what it's worth. I don't think there's anything to get overly invested. It's, it's a part of the show. This is, thing is about character and just story development between these two and getting in some, I don't know, getting in some chuckles. I don't exactly, I don't think this is really where the deleter of worlds should be, but at least it's something for them. And that's something that we had trouble saying for Bray for so long. Okay. Uh, here's my problem with this entire program. And I think why this is just not working for me. Who do I want to win and who do I want to lose? Like who's the baby face and who's the heel? Because I think they're both baby face acts who are just kind of making fun of one another. And okay. Like it, it, I, I, it just feels disconnected, you know? I think maybe what's, I get where you're getting at here. It's like that they're each, they're so similar. They're different in their approach, but similar in their destination or, you know, their purpose. Well, and I'm what, what I'm really concerned it almost, with. It almost pulls away from the seriousness of a, even a championship program or that. Right. That's that what I'm concerned with. Like this entire program could be happening without the raw tag team championships. This entire program does not feel like it has anything to do with the raw tag team championships. My other concern is, do they still think that the B team is a heel act? Like, is this a Rusev kind of thing? Like, do they think in their brains, like we've never turned the B team baby face. They're still that same act. That was the Miztourage. They're still on the heel side of the roster. Like are, are the, is creative like that tone deaf. You might have a, you might be onto something there. They just might not even. They might not even just see this thing. I think what maybe this gets a pass over. You know what they are doing with like Bailey and Sasha, where they don't want to draw that line. Is that we know that in the mind uh, of Hardy and Wyatt, that they're so bizarre that this thing could take that unexpected twist at any moment. And, and I really, I think we're going to need to get there. I was a little disappointed that we've already had this thing just announced for Extreme Rules. 
I was hoping for something special that was going to be pre-produced that we would get on Raw. I'm not saying that we might not get that Extreme Rules. It just it doesn't seem like they would go that route, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, but I'm actually I am hoping because because I think they've they've tended to get away from taking things away from the arena audience during the pay per views. I would there. You could have done something special. I think that would have rivaled anything that we've seen from the mind of Hardy. If this thing could somehow find its way to the compound. What if you do uh, something like, wasn't it? Um, uh, what was, what was the name of that group that uh, Rosemary was with? Decay. Decay. Uh, was it delete or decay where like half of it took place live inside of the arena. And then they like brawled to the back and it was a pre-tape, and then they later came yeah. back into the arena. You could do something like that, especially at Extreme Rules. Yeah, I think something like that would, I think that would be a home run for them. I, that's what I'm really hoping that maybe we get an announcement like that this week where in a serious of fashions you can get from Hardy, he invites them into you know this special world of his. Uh, and, you know, that the, in the B team, you know, gladly – Maybe not gladly, but within their own stooges ignorance accepts. Yeah, I can see something like that happening. Um, so this week we had Woken Matt versus Broken Axel. Uh, does that lead you to believe that next week we're going to see the IRS children explode? Bray Wyatt takes on Bo Dallas. Is that going to happen next week? I've been looking forward to that match for years. I was going to say, you know, there is a great deal of buzz and we've got two Raws until until their showdown in Extreme Rules. Uh, I think, again, you know, if we don't get this in some, it, it doesn't have to be anything over the top, you know, because look at the match we had this week. I mean, what the thing go all maybe like a minute? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so it, I think just that tease to have that moment, I think that would be bigger than than even the match itself. Yeah, I think they I have to give that give that to the universe. I agree. Uh, final match on the docket for the day: the AOP takes on the Job Squad. Um, and, and people are probably wondering why in the world would you even talk about this match? Uh, the the bigger question here: you have the Deleters of Worlds, you have the B Team. Wh- whoever comes out of this pro- uh, program. You're going to have to deal with the authors of pain. Is there anybody on that roster not named Braun Strowman that, like, authors of pain are going to just murder everybody? Like, that's their gimmick. They murder everybody. There's nobody in that tag division that's legit enough to go up against the AOP unless you actually do the show versus AOP. I could see that being a good match. But other than that, that raw tag team division is going to get decimated by the authors of pain. What if you're, you're still trying to keep them away a little bit and you have, uh, let's just go to throw this out here real quick before we actually talk about what was going on in this match and what's going on around the AOP. Uh, what if you do get that match with Kevin Owens versus Braun for the case and Kevin hires the AOP? Oh, is it like his personal security? Yeah. That would be awesome because Kevin Owens would probably learn whatever language it is that the authors of pain speak. Have you ever noticed that, that the authors of pain, like don't necessarily speak anything that sounds at all, like any kind of language that I've ever heard. They just kind of grunt at each other and like unison. 
the only, my biggest pop with AOP is, is Big Ray references them because he calls them shake them and bake them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can never remember their names. So it's just shake them and bake them. Like so now, like now in my mind, I could never remember their individual names because I just think of Big Ray. It's, uh, we know AOP, but it's shake them and bake them. I like that. So, I you like know, maybe, maybe they can avoid you know, really throwing them into the mix of the tag division uh, by going with that swerve. Kevin's going to need some, some big guns. And, you know, if we go that route, you know, to take out Braun, uh, but look, I'll throw, so you mean that you, you weren't concerned just a little bit for the well-being of uh, AOP when you saw Titus worldwide get a little upset with them. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you've got Titus worldwide. You've got the fashion police. You've got the deleters of worlds. You've got the B team. You've got Rhino and Slater. You've got the revival I, who at this point are basically a freaking comedy act. I, I'm looking at this raw tag team division and then there's the authors of pain. Like, you know, it's, it's, what in the world? One of these things is not like the others. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to really be careful about how they handle this thing because, I mean, you, like you said, you go up and down this. I mean, right now, who wouldn't the AOP just go out there and just obliterate? Just murder them. Uh, and speaking of murder, damn, they were working stiff this week. Dude, that's what they do. They're, they're, they're the authors No, I mean, of this one like, was extra. I mean, these, these poor enhancement guys that they brought in, uh, the one guy took the stiffest bump to his back off the apron. And and then his bro- his partner's brother, he gets brought in and they just drop him right on his head. Yeah. Yeah. AOP, man, they're those guys are really, really young and they, well, they are kind of careless. They they have that reputation where they just kind of toss people around. People have oh, gotten yeah, hurt in AOP they, matches. You're, you're an NXT guy. I heard Bellow talking about this. They kind of are known for this, where yeah. they're a little reckless in there. And that's and that why they had to kind of adjust the super collider. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because they, uh, they, well, the super collider is like completely different now because it used to be like they'd bash them together and then one guy would get power bombed and then the other guy would like come over and power bomb the guy, the other guy that's up onto the other dude. Right. And like there was one time, God, I don't remember who in the hell that was against. It might have just been a couple of enhancement talents at NXT, where instead of instead of like making a T and like power bombing them across the guy's midsection, no, they, they like power bombed them like head to head, and dude got fucked up. I mean, those are big boys, and they're throwing them guys down with some force. I mean, that's like the headbutt from hell that you're not expecting. Yeah, I think I heard. I think I heard Bello talking about that. Where yeah, I think it was some enhancement guys, but it was one of the individuals. He got seriously messed up from it. Yeah, yeah. So now they actually they they do the collision, and then they both just power bomb the guy. But it used to be where the two guys would get power bombed onto each other. But yeah, AOP man. When you look at some of the injuries that have taken place in their matches. They, they, there's kind of a reputation there, but on the other hand, they're huge. They're monsters. I mean, they're, they're everything that Vince McMahon loves and everything looks so good. Well, yeah, because they're really beating the shit out of people. But I kind of like that about the authors of pain. Not going to lie. I kind of like that. Like LOD, the road warriors back in the day, they were really beating the shit out of people. They're probably the greatest tag team of all time i'll tell you what though that promo they tried in the back with uh, the, uh as brief as it was was it was terrible 
dude, I'm telling you. Of course, I, I, I say this all the time. They need Steve Carino. They need Steve Carino. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that the, uh, the the fellows pitched Wednesday in the locker room. I, I think it, they could still tie it together with, to bring in uh, Ellering's daughter, Rachel. <gasps> oh, yeah, I, do, I did like that idea. But you know what else would be great? Your Kevin Owens idea. Steve Carino, Kevin Owens. Ooh, like reinvent like a version of scum. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, man. Sorry, the fantasy nerd Mark in me just came out a little bit there. That would be fantastic. God, I would love to see that. You had Steve Carino as the freaking manager mouthpiece of Kevin Owens and the authors of Pain. Oh, yes. And for, and for those immediately jumping to, well, Kevin Owens doesn't need a mouthpiece. Go watch some of Scum. Go watch how well <laughs> yeah. they do. Go watch how great they are together. Oh uh, man! As as good as you think Kevin Owens can be in that position, go ahead and uh, see what he's done when he was paired with Carino. Yeah, if you think that Kevin Owens played well off of Sami Zayn or Chris Jericho, my God, give him a Steve Carino. Oh, that is just. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I like that idea a lot. So that'll wrap things up for Season 2, Episode 26. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Huckleberry and I will be back in your ear holes tonight at One Wrestling Video as we break down ROH Best in the World. Expect us probably, I don't know, half hour after the show is probably when we'll start recording. If we're live, we're live. And if not, it'll be a little bit while uh, after that. Of course, until then, you can check out our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Be sure to visit the Hameen Media Group at hackerhameen.podbean.com as RBV and I will be back in the locker room this Monday. Find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email the show at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. And Wednesday nights, you can find me at One Wrestling Video for the latest installment of this is NXT. RBV, I think I got all my shit in. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, you know, uh, as, as usual, they can find me personally across all social media at the Real RBV. Uh, in most cases, you know, Jargon, we get to run in the same circles, but sometimes at different points. Uh, so you can also catch me each and every Tuesday evening at 1030 p.m. Eastern. Smack Talk, where Big Ray Hernandez and myself go live. We give you the the, the reviews, all you need to know, the breakdown uh, from Monday Night Raw, from SmackDown Live, and any kind of news and happenings that might pop up there. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, then we move down the week each and every Friday. We are here on the Hitting March Pro Wrestling Podcast. Is that, is that all I do? Oh, yeah, Mondays on the Hobby Media Group. You can catch us. Uh, Jargo and myself, we're back at again in on that platform, uh, breaking down the weekend's news, the, the big headlines. We, we span the globe. We let you in on all the promotions from around the world. You know, we just don't talk about what's happening here in the West. But I do, before we get out of here, I did want to apologize to uh, some of the members over in the Hami Media Discussion Group. I know you're waiting. You, you've been patiently waiting on the updated results from the Money in the Bank and our Pick'em Challenge. Uh, I have to come clean on something. Hopefully, they'll be up this weekend. That, that is my goal. Uh, but as Seth Co- Kennedy ha- has dubbed me, I guess I, I'm like the, the NATO of, of the Hami Media Group as uh, my, my thumb drive. My thumb drive that I keep all of my information uh, for for the Peck and the Hami Media Group on, 
I just left it in Cincinnati when I traveled last time. Uh, so I'm waiting for it to mail. So he, he has compared me to NATO as just, I just throw the Intercontinental Championship wherever the hell I want. I don't really care about you that much. Uh, when it resurfaces, I'll take care of it. But again, uh, thank you for your patience. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous. All right, everybody, that's it for this week's show. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. Yeah. <laughs>